0: Thank you, Natalie. We are going to miss Janet and Sim tremendously. So I was uh, a college pastor, as many of you know, for uh, a couple of years. And one of the responsibilities is we'd go up to a leadership camp, and the student leadership team from different uh, colleges and universities would come up to the camp, uh, usually over the summertime, and we would plan and prepare for um, for the coming year, make plans, uh, uh, kind of evangelism, discipleship, large group, all those kind of things, small groups, and so I got to be a part as a student of doing some of those plans, and then as a as a staff worker, I got to walk alongside some of those. The goal was to allow the students to plan and the students to lead in college. So I was doing that with one. Some of you might know Augustana. It's a Lutheran college in Illinois, and we had a team up there. I didn't really know the students, but I was asked if I'd be the staff worker and help coach and and walk with them, so we did. So I just met them, and we started, and we, of course, started with prayer, and a couple of the students prayed. I prayed, and then I I was waiting, you know, for the customary goodbye in prayer, In your name, Jesus, we pray, amen, right? I was waiting for that, and I was waiting, and I was waiting some more. And then I thought, well, perhaps uh, they were expecting me to close the prayer so we could get to planning, and so I did the Christian peek, right? We're looking around to see if they were looking at me, and no, they weren't. No, and then one, another one prayed, and then another student prayed. And I thought, okay, surely now is the, the time we say in Jesus' name, Amen. And I was waiting, and I was waiting, and finally, after a, a good amount of time, one of the students said, Amen. And as I got to know these students over the next couple of days, as we did some planning, the reason why I was waiting is they didn't want to just do a cursory prayer. They didn't just want to like pray up front, make plans, and then pray at the end and say, God, would you bless our plans that we... No, no, no. These students, they wanted to hear from the Lord. They, were long, they believed that the Spirit was actively speaking to his children. And they wanted to listen. In fact, they saw the listening prayer, that moment, far more important than any human ideas or plans that would come. They were inviting, and I noticed over the next couple of days when they would say, okay, let's pray that I was going to be waiting with them and waiting and listening. And, you know, even though I was just a few years older than them, perhaps had a a little bit more experience and knowledge, there was something about their faith. I would call it the spirituality of their faith that was perhaps a little bit deeper than mine. And I wanted that. I longed for that. I desired that. I didn't want it to be my plans for my individual life, let alone uh, the ministry that God had brought me to. I wanted it to be his plans, his purposes. I wanted to cooperate with his leadership rather than mine. And I'd have to say That much of my Christian experience has been among men and their plans and their purposes and asking God to bless it. We're going to look at the early church. We've been uh, walking through the book of Acts. And I, I've, I've so enjoyed this, this look at the early church. And we're going to be in chapter 13. If you've brought your Bibles, great. Open the your Bibles at home. And we're going to be looking at a, a crucial moment. Last week, we saw this paradigm shift of going from Jewish people to To all nations, right? This dramatic, significant paradigm shift. Now we're looking at chapter 13, and Jerusalem, of course, is the center of the faith, but they face persecution, spread out. Now Antioch is a church that's primarily a Gentile church, a, a combination of Gentile and Jewish Christians, and they're about to send their first missionaries out into the world right? Not, not including persecution. We saw persecution. We saw really missionaries moving because of persecution, but this is a time when there's not persecution or we're not aware of the persecution, but they decide that Paul or Saul and Barnabas are going to be sent out. And what I'd like to you to notice in this first missionary journey is I want you to notice the spirituality of the early church I want you to notice who is leading I want you to notice who is cooperating I want you to notice their activity because of their convictions and belief about that so Acts chapter 13 verse 1 says now in the church of Antioch there were prophets and teachers Barnabas Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So in the church of Antioch, they have a multicultural leadership team made up primarily of prophets and teachers. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, I always love when in Scripture the Holy Spirit spoke so specifically that we end up putting quotes around the voice of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit gives visions, impressions. Sometimes he speaks so clearly that there's quotes. This is one of these instances of the quotes. The Holy Spirit said, and I quote, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, more, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogue Synagogues. John was with them and their helper. So just to give you a sense, this was probably uh, 46, 47 A.D. approximately, and they were in um, Antioch. We have a map uh, that we have. Can we go to the map there, Helen? Of the and that is you can see Cyprus there, and that was a time when. Um, uh, by the way, I just thought it was interesting. Many of you have been praying for Lebanon. When Pastor Gabby uh, called or messaged about the explosion in Beirut, which you can see, he said Cyprus felt it. That's how big the blast was. Right? So we're So this was a, in the ancient church. You look at Turkey and that's where Antioch is, uh, I can't say that, Antioch is where Antioch was. So that's where the church is. And they feel led to sail to Cyprus, and they're going to cover the city. That's where Barnabas was from. That sense, okay? Around the Mediterranean Sea. Verse 4. The two of them, no, not verse 4. Verse 6. They traveled through the whole island of Cyprus, you see, until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bargesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul was like a governor, a Roman governor, who was really the ruling authority in their areas the proconsul an intelligent man sent for barnabas and saul because he wanted to hear the word of god but elemus the sorcerer for that is what his name means opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith then saul who was called paul filled with the holy spirit looked straight at elemus and said you are a child of the devil And an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time and not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Too bad the first missionary trip was really uneventful, no, nothing really taking place there. I just want to read that snippet, and would you think with me a little bit about the, the culture of the early church and how they did things. And would you apply it to the culture of your life and our church and our community of faith? When I do that, that brings some conviction to me. When I think about my own heart, my own desires, my own planning, oftentimes I fall into what I've been taught to do is think about my own plan and desires and then pray and ask the Lord to bless it. And what the early church is doing is they're modeling something different. We see them actively worshiping and praying and seeking the presence of the Lord and allowing him, the Holy Spirit, to set the agenda For their lives. They have a leadership team. And they're making decisions. With prayer. But their leadership team. Is one that's focused on being. Spirit filled. And spirit directed. With scripture. There's this interesting interchange. Between. Our plans. Our desires. And our purposes. And God's. And scripture has a number of ways of talking about this. Look at some of these. Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Or Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We don't have this one on the screen, but Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord, And he will give you the desires of your heart. What do those tell you? It tells us that our desires of our hearts, our plans, our ambitions, our longings, they are not insignificant to the Lord. The Lord cares about those plans, those dreams. Those ambitions. And in fact, oftentimes I discovered that he places those very dreams and plans and desires within our hearts so that we would discover them. And yet, scripture is saying the wise person isn't in the lead. The the wise person doesn't make plans, doesn't strategize, doesn't dream dreams and have ambitions. Separate from God and separate from his purposes and ambitions. I want to suggest that the early church was modeling some tremendous things here. They were modeling how we pursue dreams and ambitions and purposes and strategies. And there's a couple keys. One key is this. That what we desire, what is happening in our heart, we test it. We bring it to God with an openness and honesty that it might be from God. It might fit into his plans and purposes in this world, but it might not. And we test it through scripture We test it through time. We test it through circumstance. We test it through community and others. There's been a number of times when I've heard people say, I'm doing this, I prayed about it, and I'm doing it. And I want to say, just because you prayed about it doesn't mean that's from the Lord. In fact, that's contrary to scripture, so i 'm pretty sure it's not i 've had circumstances of that that there's got to be this openness and honesty. Do you know that we're told Paul says later in romans fifteen twenty he said it was his ambition to preach the word of God where it had not been preached, right? That he wanted to break new ground. But that was something he says, I've had that, I've held that. So here's Paul, he was brought to Antioch, and he's praying, and he's longing, and he's yearning, but he's not saying, this is my ambition, I'm going, bam, bam. He's in the midst of community. He's praying, he's listening, he's worshiping, and then the Holy Spirit says, now is the time. Paul, Barnabas, go. Crucial is that we bring these desires to the Lord. I'd have to say that there's been times in, say, a personal relationship where I said, I said, Lord, I'd really like to marry this person and when I came openly and honestly, he said, "Nope. that's not who I have for you. I remember when I was praying about Kindra, my relationship with her. And I said, Lord, I'd really like to marry her. And yet I had made the commitment, if he wanted me to stay single for the kingdom of God, I'm okay with that. And I was like, Lord, please. And he said, nope. No, I'm just kidding. He said, yes, right? And yet it was hard. There, was, there were times when I felt emotion, strong emotion. There was times when it made sense altogether. And yet I brought those decisions to God with an open heart. I talked about it with community. I prayed about it and gave time. I think we can do this with ministry as well, that we need to bring those strategies and plans, just like that early leadership team of Augustana brought wanted to bring those plans and purposes to God. You know, uh, our church has planted two churches in the last several years. I want to argue that the decision that the Antioch church made in Acts 13 was not a very strategic decision for the church of Antioch. If you go to Acts 11, you'll, you'll see that Paul, uh, Barnabas goes to Tarsus and gets Paul and brings him back. And for a whole year... They're teaching the people in Antioch. It was the first time they're ever called Christians was in Antioch. There was this vibrant community happening. There was prophets and apostles and teachers. It's happening. People were growing by the numbers. And it was Paul and Barnabas were their most vibrant leaders. And then the Holy Spirit says, yeah, I want you to take your two best leaders and send them. I don't know if they were not praying and listening if they would have ever made that decision as an early church. When the two leaders that we sent out primarily, Ben Brooks and Sean Schunk, came to me and said, there's this stirring going on in my heart. It was the direct opposite of what I wanted. In fact, i was been praying that this church would be like a church of Antioch. I, I, shouldn't have, I should have thought about that. The church of Antioch sends its key leaders away, and I was praying about that. And my idea, my plan, and my purposes is that they were part of this vibrant team that would happen. And as I prayed, as we listened, as we processed, God said, send them. I would say the other key is that from the beginning, not only are we testing our dreams, our our hopes, our plans, our strategies, but from the beginning, we're inviting the Lord into the conversation. That's what we see the church doing is we're inviting the Lord They were inviting the Lord into the conversation. If you follow the missionary journeys through Acts, which I hope many of you are doing as you read, you know, they they were very strategic. They followed the the, um, communication and the commerce lines uh, of the Roman Empire. They they went to these key centers in the Roman Empire. That was the early churches. Uh, They went to the synagogues. There was tons of strategy that was taking place. And yet, at the same time, we see the Holy Spirit, as we just read, at the very beginning of their decision-making process, and then throughout. For example, Acts 16.6 says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia, and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. How the Holy Spirit kept them from that province, we don't know. Maybe it was in prayer, maybe it was a word, maybe it was a vision, we don't know. But they were paying attention to the Holy Spirit's direction and guidance as they went. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man This is Acts 16.9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So guess where they went after this vision? Macedonia, right? They were, yes, paying attention to Paul's heart and desire. Yes, they were using strategy. They were thoughtful in what they're doing. But from the very beginning and throughout, as they lived their dreams, they were saying, Holy Spirit, is this from you? I was just talking about, some, uh, about retirement, this new, this new moment for a member of our congregation. And I'm praying for that member. What's this next chapter look like? How does the Lord want to use you? He pays attention to your hearts and desires. And yet the Holy Spirit is working plans and purposes. Wouldn't it be awesome if our lives reflected that kind of leadership? Wouldn't it be awesome if our church, the leadership of our church, had that much divine direction in the decisions that we made. Lord, let it be so. Now, directly connected to this, I think uh, also to point out is what was, the Lord, what was the church doing as they were seeking wisdom and direction and strategy? They were practicing the foundational spiritual rhythms of the faith. Did you notice that they were they were worshiping? They were praying. Last week we we looked at these rhythms of Peter and Cornelius, the, the fixed hour of prayer, that they were waiting, they were, they were seeking. We're starting to see a pattern is God's children weren't planning and strategizing. And that what were they doing? They were praying, they were fasting, they were worshiping they were listening the inspired author of luke uh, of uh, acts luke gives us a number of glimpses of the early church and we almost never see a board meeting of them strategizing what do we see them doing praying worshiping seeking the lord and listening Think about it this way. What did they devote themselves to? Acts 2, verse 42, reads like this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Look at uh, Acts 4. It says uh, they, they faced persecution I think we have this Acts 4, 23 and 24. It says, uh, Peter and John are released from the religious leaders. and it says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Right? They, they Even in these times of crisis, they were worshiping and praying. They were devoted themselves to the word of God. And to the worship of God. Friends, I would say it's very clear that we are in a time of almost perpetual crisis in some ways. Yes? Would you agree? We have this pandemic that I really thought would go away a lot sooner. (laughs) We have this racial tension, riots and protests, We have natural disasters that are happening now in this season. We have man made disasters, which just happened in in Lebanon. This this is happening. We, We keep all of these things. How should we respond? I want to suggest that at the center of our response, this is not the full response. But at the center of our response is to do what Christians do: devote ourselves to prayer, to worship, to the fellowship, to the Word of God, and listen. And when God says move, we move. But you see, we we listen, we pray. Think about that. Do we have Acts 2 again uh, up there, Helen? No, I don't think we did. Okay, listen again as I read this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Do you know what the apostles' teaching is? It's the New Testament. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. You know what that means? your community of faith, the church, not a time to step away, to the breaking of bread. You know what that was? It was fellowship in homes, but also exclusively the sacrament of communion, the rhythms of faith. And finally, they devoted themselves to prayer. Those were the foundation of Of the early church. Whether it was a time of crisis. And persecution. Whether it was a time that church. was, Was vibrant and thriving. They were committed. To those things. And they were listening. And letting God. Strategize. For them. Friends. If there was a sacred practice. Would there be one that your devotion has waned, the Word of God, to fellowship, to communion and to prayer is there one of those devotions that has waned and maybe in this moment in this time of pan uh, this pandemic, in this moment of crisis, he's saying now more than ever be devoted to these Foundational things. What would be that one thing he's inviting you to? Okay, I want to get to this as well. Evangelism. We see evangelism taking place in this short story. We see evangelism taking place in the early church. Do you notice anything about the early church's evangelism that looked slightly different than our evangelism today? I've done a fair amount of evangelism. I can't say I ever pronounced blindness on someone, right? I mean, that—that's like a—that story is like foreign and crazy. But what was happening here is that the early church was not just doing evangelism; they were doing power evangelism. In fact, if you look at Acts as a a longer book, you'll see there is many sermons that happened. So they were arguing thoughtfully and intelligently to the truth of the gospel. That was foundation. And I would say uh, the church in the West in America has done a fair amount of job of articulating the gospel. What the church in the West, in North America, has not done a good amount of job is the power of the Holy Spirit in evangelism. Remember, there was a time that I used to teach evangelism classes in previous churches, and I always looked for the best Material that I could find. And the best material was always very thoughtful and articulate, but almost every material that I turned to lacked one thing. It would give lip service to the Holy Spirit. It was not directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see, what Paul, in particular, who makes this announcement or pronouncement, Understood is that when you do evangelism, when you're trying to share your faith, when you're trying to tell your story of faith in Christ, do you know what's happening? A clash of kingdoms. A clash of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And we see that in this story, do we not? Listen to what Paul said. He said this. In another place, in Ephesians 6.12, which I believe we have. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Paul, we only have a, a little bit of the story of Elamus, right? The sorcerer. What, so we don't know really what happens after that. That's all. We just get a snippet of this. But I have to believe that Paul understood that he wasn't battling this Jewish sorcerer. He was battling the evil within Eimus, that he came, and Els, he had the ear of the proconsul, and God and, and Paul, through the Holy Spirit, realized, I need to address this power. How many times are we trying to share the faith, and yet we're not addressing, we're not praying for? Any evil activity, any falsehood or wrongs in the person's life that we're trying to witness to. Paul says, again, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Be mindful, people. It's beyond that. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is still as true today as back when Paul wrote that, to the Ephesians, right? He's saying that we have an enemy of the soul. Yes, ultimately he's defeated, but right now he is at work. And if we want to be a vibrant community that's sharing our faith, if we want to be like the early church, we need to start praying against the kingdom of darkness in the lives of our friends and family and loved ones. Look at the the, the proconsul. He became a faith. Did you notice? Look at verse twelve. Why he became a, uh, why he turned to the faith. Verse twelve says, when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. So the two things convinced the proconsul to become a Christian. The first was, he saw the power of the Holy Spirit at work. And the second was, he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Friends, I want to suggest that much of the evangelism of our churches in the North, North America, as well as my evangelism, has half of the equation of the early church. It has a thoughtful presentation of the gospel, but is lacking the power source of the Holy Spirit. I think that's part why we see the church in North America receding, and yet in other parts of the world, we see the church thriving, guess what they're doing articulate presentation of the gospel and the power of the holy spirit paul says this he says um i lost my place well i guess i'm skipping that one let's go to acts 4:33 Again, just a picture of with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Did you notice those two aspects? With great power, they've testified to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how have I tried to imitate the early church? Well, first, this isn't going to be a big shock, but I'm trying to pray first before I testify. I'm trying to seek and pray on a regular basis for those that I'm seeking to share the faith. I'm trying to let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting prior to me getting there. I'm trying to pray for a softened heart. I'm trying to pray for truth. Sometimes I'm praying for people that I'm not in close contact with on a regular basis. They live out of state. I'm praying for divine appointments. I'm praying for miracles to happen. I'm praying the Holy Spirit cares more about the advancement of the kingdom of God than I do. And I'm praying that our church would someday, it doesn't yet, but would someday look like the early church, that we would be giving a powerful, spirit-filled testimony of the gospel and how it can transform a life, any life, Friends, there's this idea of being imitators. Paul, at one point, that's the scripture I couldn't find, is he says, um, be an imitator of me as I follow Christ, the way of the Lord. A big part of why I felt like the Holy Spirit said, preach through the book of Acts, is so that we could go, huh, Look at how neat and significant the early church was. Look at how these Christians lived. Look at how they pursued the things of God. I want to be like that. I want our church to be like the early church. If we have to give away more leaders, I'm okay with that, all right? But I want us to say, yes, there's a, a stirring, a longing. Look at how vibrant they were. Look at they were praying and, and fasting and worshiping. Look at they had the Holy Spirit speaking and they put him as, his words in quotes. Wouldn't that be awesome to do that? And it'd be awesome to say, and the Lord was adding to their numbers daily, those. We're being saved. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't talk about man made plans and strategies, but said we believe this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in this unique place, this unique church? We're giving our hearts, our ambitions, our longings to Him and letting Him shape it together as a community of faith and advancing us together. Wouldn't that be neat? Let's pray. So, Lord, I, I want to continue that prayer. Lord would we in all these ways like the church of antioch would you form us into a vibrant community of faith lord god would you would you fill us with passion so that we might do perhaps a little bit less strategizing and more praying a little bit less discussion and more fasting and worship. Lord, we long to be led by you. And Lord, we trust you, Lord God. We trust that we have these individual ambitions and longings, that you'll build them together into this vibrant community of faith. And that we would follow you, Lord. And Lord, would you enable us to do a lot more listening for your voice, both personally, for our lives, and as a church as a whole? Thank you for the promise that your sheep will know your voice. Lord, help us to recognize your voice. Would you stand and sing the doxology before you receive your benediction? Praise God for Do you hold your hands up? Would you go? Would you stop strategizing so much? Would you start listening more? He loves you. He knows you. He placed so many of those desires and longings in your heart. But would you go? with a humility that says, Lord, I want your will, not my own. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God bless you. We'll see you next week.